Amen, Miss Carla. Thank you. And today I want to talk to you about the real deal, Jesus Christ. I'm glad that you're here. Welcome to Cavanaugh Church. Are you glad to be here? Yes. Amen. Fantastic. Merry Christmas. I'm, I'm glad that you're with us on Christmas Eve. And what I want to talk to you about today is uh, the joy that is found at the birth of Jesus Christ. In, in fact, at the birth of Jesus Christ, there was an explosion of joy. Last week, we heard the angel announcing to those fearful shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. The reason joy is such a huge part of the birth of Jesus Christ is because joy is such a huge part of the life Jesus Christ came to give us. And the joy of Christmas is nothing less than the joy of seeking and finding and loving Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8, Peter's in a, in a dialogue talking about just the, the stuff we go through in life. And, and Carly's talking about being real. Because real life is real problems. Have you figured that out yet? I mean, if you're alive right now, you're dealing with problems even during this Christmas season. Life is full of problems, and even though you're a believer, there's going to be persecution. You're going to have difficult times. And so Peter's in this dialogue talking about the persecution that we receive even as believers. But here's what he says in, in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, talking about God, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and joy and glorious joy. Now, when I was a kid and I learned that verse, we had a song that goes along with it. It talks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. Huh? Even though I can't see God, I love God. And because I love God, my heart is filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I feel like doing a Ric Flair. Woo! Man! I mean, that is awesome joy. However, it brings me back to this inexpressible and joyous glory. Does that characterize your life? I mean, if, if somebody was going to describe you, would they use those words? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Maybe not. You see, this joy is ours even in the face of suffering. It's ours 24-7. It's ours when the bank account is full and when it's empty. It's ours when the doctor says you've got cancer or you don't have. The joy of the Lord is in our heart and the world can't touch it. And here's the cool thing. When the world sees that joy that they don't have in their life, but they see it in your life... I guarantee you, they're going to be asking you about it, and you'll have the opportunity to share with them the source of real joy, and that is Jesus Christ. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book on spiritual depression, says this, I have no hesitation in asserting, again, that one of the reasons why the Christian church counts so little in the modern world is that so many Christians are in this condition of spiritual depression and spiritual unhappiness. The greatest need of the hour is a revived and joyful church. He went on to say, unhappy Christians are, to say the least, a poor recommendation for the Christian faith. 
<laughs> Amen, man. Why, why in the world would anyone want to be close to a God who made them depressed and joyless? But that's not what our God is about. He broke into history to bring us joy. And that joy is found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Over the last couple of weeks, I like to point to two this way. Over the last two weeks, we've talked about this great joy that is found in Jesus Christ. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Mary who discovered there is joy in serving God. And then last week, the shepherds who found joy in sharing Christ. Today, I want to conclude this Christmas series talking about the joy of seeking Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting to me is how God puts a longing, a desire, a hunger in our hearts to seek Him, to find Him. The New Testament tells us of some very unlikely characters who came seeking the Savior, and the result was this. They found Jesus, and their life was filled with, with joy. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. This incident occurs sometime after the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to see that Joseph and Mary and Jesus are now in a house. They're no longer in a barn. So this could have possibly occurred a few months after he was born, maybe even a year later. So here we are, Matthew chapter 2. Let me read uh, this account of the birth of Jesus. I'm going to try to read verses 1 through 12 if I can see it. Thank you again for praying for my eye. It's been almost two weeks since I've had the first injection, and, uh, and my vision is getting clearer, all right? I've, I've noticed a, a change in that, so thank you for praying. Uh, keep praying. We're praying, like the doctor said, I might get 99% of that back. Let's pray for, let's just pray for 100%. Why not? Here, here we go. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel." Then Herod called the wise men secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. And they heard, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen went and rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country 
going an alternate route. Heavenly Father, as we've read the word, I pray now the Holy Spirit would speak it into our hearts. Lord, give us the joy of the Lord this morning. Transform our sad lives into joyous lives. For this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Church, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you I'm absolutely amazed and interested in how God puts this longing in our hearts to seek after Jesus Christ. You know, it's not something that comes natural to us. It's a part of this awakening that God does in the human heart that causes us to seek him. And whenever you go out seeking for Jesus, I promise you, you will find him. For he makes himself available to us when we seek him. And when you find him, man, that's when life really begins. You get that joy that we're talking about. Uh, my Christmas gift to you today is a short sermon. All right? I only have two points, and the first one is all about joy. I, I want to talk to you about the joy that comes when we find Jesus. Again, Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, when these wise men saw the star, they rejoiced. They were overjoyed. Literally, they rejoiced with great joy. In fact, it's the same word found in Luke's gospel, chapter 2, verse 10, the good news of great joy. The Amplified Bible says they were thrilled with ecstatic joy. The word literally means mega joy. Mega joy. It's a joy the world doesn't know because the world can't get it. It only comes from God. It is mega joy that transforms your life. And I remind you that this joy is an internal experience that comes through the activity of the Holy Spirit of God. We seek Christ. We find Christ. God changes our life. The Holy Spirit moves in. And that joy fills our life. But even though it is an internal experience, it's got to find its way out. It has to have an exit out of our life. It has to manifest itself in an external way because you can't keep that good news and that joy inside of you. Y'all remember my sermon from last week? I, I often wonder, how many really remember anything that, well, I'm, okay, apparently you don't because you didn't vote on that, so... I talked last week about this, this transformation, this internal joy that finds its way out of our life and out of our mouth. I mean, when Jesus changes your life and you get this joy, you've got to tell somebody. Last week I said it's like a child being born into your family. I mean, if, like a, a dad. You have a baby. You've got to tell somebody, man. You, you know what I'm saying? That's great news. You've got to share it. You can't keep it in. It's got to be shared. Y'all remember me saying that? Okay, there you go. Well, I saw that happen this past week. Uh, what not, Thursday night, Angie and I went to uh, Rogers Heritage. Zane had a basketball game up there, and uh, so we didn't get out of there till late. It was almost 10 o'clock. We were driving through, and I said, Angie, you hungry? And she said, well, kind of. It's been a long time since we had. And I said, well, why don't you take this exit? Let's, let's stop here in Fayetteville. And let's go to Whataburger. Anybody like Whataburger? Guys, let me tell you, we don't have one here, but I've been eating Whataburger since I was a kid, man. They're plentiful in Texas, you know. Number one with cheese, add mayonnaise, cut the onions. 
I know, I know what I get at Whataburger. And so it's 10 o'clock at night. We go in Whataburger. There's, there's probably half a dozen people in there. And, and, and uh, they take our order. We go and, and sit down, have our drinks right there. And, and uh, there's, a, there's a man sitting there. And apparently it's his daughter that's sitting across from him. And uh, he's, a, he's a big bruiser, man. He's a big old guy. And he has this goatee, bald head goatee that's dyed purple. And so uh, my wife has this smart comment. She says, I, I want to go ask that guy what bet he lost, you know. To, I said, Angie, don't mess with that man, all right? <laughs> you know, I, I, I know he can whip me, and he might be able to whip you. I'm not for sure about that, but just, you know, let's just let's mind our own business here, and let's eat our Whataburger. But, you know, we were halfway into that Whataburger, and I looked up, and here he was. He was standing at our table. And he had his phone out, and he said, I don't know you guys. I'm thinking, no, you don't know us. He said, but I just got to show you this picture. He said, a, a friend of mine had a baby this past week, and I'm showing everybody this baby. Isn't that baby amazing? <laughs> it, I mean, the kid really wasn't even that cute. But, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's thinking this is the most amazing thing. And, and I looked at Angie, and, and I winked because it reminded me of what I said last Sunday. I said, yeah, that's real joy, isn't it? It's the kind of joy you can't contain. He said, man, that's right. And it is. When you find Jesus, you get joy. And guys, you can't contain that joy. Now, as I studied this passage this week, something kind of a light went on in my head. And I said, wow, this is pretty cool. There, there were a lot of different people in this story. And I could categorize these people because that's what we do. We categorize people, don't we? Whether it's good or bad, we do. And I see three different categories of people here. The first category are those who were desperate for the activity of God. They're seeking God. These wise men in Matthew chapter 2 are examples of those whose hunger and thirst for God is awakened by a loving God. And so they're seeking Jesus. There is almost desperation in their life. They're looking for something that will satisfy them. They're desperate for God. These wise, and we don't know how many there were. I mean, the Bible doesn't say there were three. It's that song we grew up singing. We three kings of Orient are <laughs> bearing gifts as we travel so far. Well, anyway, that's it. Carla, I'd much rather listen to you sing than me sing, that's for sure. We don't know that they were, we don't know they were from the Orient. Most believe they were probably from Persia. And we, we do think, we don't know, but we think they were astrologers. But you know what I do know is they were seeking something. They were desperate to find something. Reminds me of Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He was religious. He was powerful. He was wealthy. He had it all together, but not really. There was an emptiness inside of him. And so he went to Jesus at night trying to find answers for life. Reminds me of a guy several years ago in, in Plano when we were pastoring the Collin Creek Church there. This probably happened 21, 22 years ago. Uh, it was a Wednesday night. Uh, church started at 7 o'clock. And in Plano, at my church in Plano, uh, people didn't show up until like 7.02. Okay? 
maybe 7.15, right? So I was in the church by myself. It's probably 5, 5.30, and I heard the door open, and so I went to see. I mean, it had to be somebody lost or a visitor because none of my people showed up that early. And sure enough, a guy walked in a little bit older than myself. I'd never seen him before, and we introduced, sat down, started talking, and here's what he said. He says, I don't know why I'm here. He said, I've driven by your church dozens of times. I've noticed the sign. It's a free will Baptist church. He said, well, when I was a little boy growing up in West Virginia, my grandparents took me to a free will Baptist church. But I haven't been in church in a long time. And he said, I don't know why I'm here. He said, it's as if my car turned itself into your parking lot. And he went on and talked about his life and the trouble he was having and, and, and the experiences he had had through his life. And I'm going to tell you, his life was a wreck. It was a mess. And he said again for the third time, I don't know why I'm here. And I said, dude, I think I know why you're here. And I was able to share with him the good news of Jesus Christ. And that night, he gave his heart to Jesus and he found the joy of the Lord. He was seeking. And when you come seeking, you're going to find. There was another group of people there, though, those who were threatened by the activity of God. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. After all, King Herod was given at his coronation the title King of the Jews. And now here are these three wise guys, or however many there were of them, snooping around asking for this other King of the Jews. And so he was threatened. Threatened so much that we see later on he committed an atrocious crime. In verse 16 of chapter 2, Herod had all the baby boys in Bethlehem, two years of age and under, killed, assassinated. Why? He was threatened by the activity of God. But then there's a third group of people there. Those who are insensitive to the activity of God. I read about these people in, in verse 4. When, when Herod heard this, he called together all the people, the chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where this Messiah was to be born. And here's what they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet is written. And they read out of their Bible, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And guys, let me tell you, I find this flat out amazing. Flat out amazing. The, the more I think about it, the more I see, you, dude, let me tell you, that could happen right here in church today among us. Do, do you see what's going on here? The king wants a report and he wants it immediately. Where is this Messiah to be born? And so the Jewish leaders, they know their Bible. That They pull out their big, thick SSS Bible, the Super Saint Study Bible. And they open it up and they say, see, it's right here. Bethlehem is where this Messiah is to be born. That's where it's all going to come down. But then I got to stop and ask, well, where are they? They're not in Bethlehem. They're in Jerusalem. 
Why were they not camped out in Bethlehem? Why were they not there watching and waiting for this great activity of God they knew was coming? Especially when these men from the east show up saying, hey, we saw his star and we're just following the star. Why didn't they jump up and run to Bethlehem? Why in the world are they still in Jerusalem? My suspicion is that they were so locked in their religious rut. They were so desensitized by their religious routine that they no longer had day-to-day communion and communication with God himself. It's almost like they were on another planet, spiritually speaking. I'm amazed that in this story, there are so-called pagan People who are hungry for God, so hungry and desperate for God, they are willing to travel hundreds of miles from Persia to Bethlehem. And then on the other hand, there's another group of people, supposedly they're God's people, who are so out of touch with what God is doing that they wouldn't walk 10 miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to rejoice in what God is doing. But you know what? That's people. And as my friend used to say, people stink on ice, don't they? We do. And I know how easy it is for us believers, us Christians, to get stuck in the rut of just coming to church and doing the things that we do for God. But you know what? The joy is gone. And the reason the joy is gone is because our love for Jesus Christ has become lukewarm or even cold, and we no longer seek him like we once saw him. And if that is your heart, let me tell you, the best thing you can do on this day, Christmas Eve, is fall back in love with Jesus Christ. Love Jesus. And when you start loving Jesus again, let me tell you, the joy is going to come back. The Holy Spirit will make sure of that. So when we seek him, we find him, and there is joy in finding him. But you know what? What results out of that joy in finding Jesus is worship, a love of worshiping Jesus. Because joy always comes mixed with love. Remember 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and are filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it's interesting to me how this love and this joy flows through our life. It begins in our head. It's clear that these seekers, these wise men, had applied their minds to the search of spiritual things. Again, most think they were astrologers in Persia. So they they were pretty smart, right? They, They had some mental faculties about them. They used their minds. They used their brains. They... Theologians also believe that somehow or another, they came in contact with the written word of God, the Pentateuch, the law. And that's not out of the question because the Israelites in the Old Testament were sent into captivity. And so here are these astrologers who study the sky that God made and the stars that God hangs in the sky, and they're reading the word of God, and they're putting it together. And so something starts in their head. Something clicks in their head. And you know what? That's the way it is with us. It starts in our head. You read a verse of scripture, or you read something, or hear something, and it clicks in your mind. Well, God does love me. 
You come to church and you hear a sermon like this on the joy that is found in finding Jesus and something starts clicking in your head. And it all starts there in the mind. The Bible says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the sagacity of love. We are to think on the things of God. And as we think on these things, our mind processes it and we love God. But it can't stay in the head. If all you have is a head knowledge of God, it's not enough. That's not going to save you. Let me tell you. The devils, the demons, know mentally there is a God. They perceive that. The change comes in our heart. So it starts in our head, but it has to make that 18-inch travel down to our heart. And when we find Jesus in our heart, it changes everything. These wise men allowed their hearts to be moved. When they saw the star, when they saw that star, they saw Mary, they saw the child, they were overjoyed. And so that great distance has to be traveled from your head to your heart. And when that travel is made and that faith finds its lodging place in your heart, it changes everything. It starts in my head, it flows down to my heart, but it doesn't stop in my heart. It finds its way out through my hands. Look at verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down. Literally, they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh. Church, listen to me. Joy, real joy, always, always, always causes us to open our hands and release our treasures to the Lord. Always. You go back and study this concept in Scripture. In the Old Testament, you would never come before God empty-handed. You always brought to God the best you have. Why? Because we know who God is. He sits on the throne. We found Him as Savior of our life and our hearts. He's changed everything. Now, as a believer, we understand biblical stewardship. Nothing I have is really mine. It belongs to Him. So when I come into His presence, I give Him the best there is of me. Woo! Man. I need to stop doing that. It's either going to give you or me a heart attack. I don't know which of the two, but here's what I found. Joyless people, people without joy, are stingy, selfish people. They are. Because that's, that's not the way our God is. Our God is a giving God. He has given us this joy, and in response, we are to give back to Him. And our giving should reflect our worship as we understand who Christ is. What gifts did they give? Jesus, three gifts. The first is a gift of gold, a gift fit for a king. In their land, it was fitting to approach a king with the gift of gold. They didn't know it, but in giving Jesus the gold, they were affirming that indeed he is King Jesus. (laughs) He's King of kings, and he's Lord of lords. And if the best there is is gold, then we give him gold because he's king, King Jesus. 
They gave him a second gift, and that is the gift of frankincense. This was a costly perfume that was used in temple worship. It was an incense. They didn't know it, but in giving Jesus frankincense, they were affirming that Jesus indeed is the great high priest. He's not only king of kings, he's the high priest who makes intercession between an unholy man and a holy God. He is priest. Then they gave him another gift. They gave him myrrh. Strange gift. It's kind of like giving someone a coffin for Christmas. (laughs) It was a burial spice. They didn't know it. But giving Jesus myrrh, they were affirming that Jesus indeed is the Savior of the world who would die for the sin of the world. Hmm. Listen, church. Joy, love, and giving all go together. It all goes together. When I understand in my head who God is, the creator and ruler of this universe. When I understand the plan of salvation, that I can't go to heaven without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When I mentally perceive that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I know the only way my name can be written in the Lamb's book of life and I go to heaven is if I confess Jesus as Lord of my heart and my life and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And not only understand that in my head, I accept it in my heart. And I believe in my heart. And that joy finds expression in my life. And I understand that, you know what? If God is who God is and God has done what God has done, nothing I have is really mine. It's His. And I release it to Him and I give it back to Him. The ultimate manifestation of that is when I do what Romans chapter 12 verse 1 does. And I come to the altar and I lay my body as a living sacrifice down on the altar and I give everything to God. Again, I I don't have a lot of stuff. I don't have a whole lot of money. I'll never be able to retire, (laughs) you know. I don't have a whole lot of this world's goods, but what I do have belongs to the Lord And every Sunday I pay my tithe and I give offerings. I understand all of that. But I also understand what God wants more than anything else is all that I have. Everything. And I realize the only way I can know true joy is when I give him back my life. So I think the ultimate thing you can do today is simply that. You can come down here to this altar and do what Romans 12:1 says. You can present your body as a living sacrifice to God and say, God, here I am. Just take me and use me. You'll walk out of here with joy. Because that's the last thing I want to leave you with. I, I discovered this this week. And, and the risk of sounding too Christmas cardish. Let's look at verse 12 again because it says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And here's what God told me. He said, well, that's the truth. When somebody walks in Kavanaugh Church seeking me, and when they find me, they walk out different than when they came in. They don't leave the same way they came when they find me, man, 
That got all over me, man. And I realize it's true. When you walk in here burdened down with this world's cares and you give that to Jesus Christ, you walk out of here flying light as a feather. When you walk in here with the cancer of sin in your life and you experience the healing grace of the great physician, you walk out of here different than when you came in. You come in here and your life is a wreck. It is a mess. Just like Leon's life was a mess 22 years ago when he walked in the Collin Creek Free Will Baptist Church. I don't know why I'm here. Well, dude, God knows why you're here. And you walk in with your life a mess. You find Jesus. He transforms you. And you walk out of here a different person. Changed by the grace of God. So please... Please, don't leave the same way you came. Go out of here a different way. Having experienced the grace, the forgiveness, and the joy.